Grace is yours and mercy and peace from God our Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I don't want to belabor the obvious, but we're getting ready for Christmas. Yeah, the Advent wreath is in place, and I was really, really pleased. Thirteen years I was in southwest Missouri, just before coming here, and every Advent Sunday, the elders would say, which uh, candle do we light this week? And three different people checked with me about Now, you know it's the one right across from the pink candle, right? Yeah, that's right. The pink candle gets lit on the third Sunday of Advent. That's right. Sometimes we never get beyond three Sundays. And look at all of this. But then again, you didn't even have to come to church to be aware of this. Because since before Thanksgiving, oh, before Halloween, there have been stores that have been letting you know that Christmas is coming. And the news and the internet and mailers in the mailing in the mailbox, all of them let you know that the most important thing about Thanksgiving is it's the day just before Black Friday. It's all about how much you're going to spend and thus to show how much you love the people that the Lord has given you. At least that's the theory. Well, Jesus wants us to know that this is a time of two advents. Christ wants us to remember that he came in the flesh, incarnate on Christmas. And our only response to that would be proclamation. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. Light up the churches. Put up the, put up the beautiful stained glass windows. Let everybody know that your life is different because God has come and claimed you to be his own. It's a matter of joy. That's what we have at Christmas time. And even as we have this time when we look at our, ourselves and say, we ourselves are unworthy, the baby comes and grows to be a man who tells us, that's why I came. You couldn't have gotten the most important thing that everybody needed for Christmas because you could never have afforded it. But I came that you might have it freely. But I said it's two Advents because you've heard it most of your lives. This is the Advent when we celebrate the incarnation of Christ, but there's a second Advent coming when we will see him in his glory. As we just sang, not as of old a little child who would grow to live and fl- to bear and fight and die, but crowned in glory, like the sun that lights the eastern sky. Oh Lord, how shall we greet thee? How welcome thee aright? Because we can't know the day of his return, Jesus tells us that we are to be ready every day and every night. You know something that's really helpful with that? Luther's morning and evening prayers. They're not scripture, but they have been, they've been a part of my regular routine for I don't know how many years. 
Because every night I ask for forgiveness of all my sins. I thank God for everything that he has done for me. And I commend my life to him. And every morning when I wake up, I don't think I have any sins to repent of, but I ask that God would be with me throughout the day, that he's kept me safe during the night, and I commend my life to him. When he returns, let me be about his business. Now, some people think, okay, so you say that we've been deluged by people trying to get us ready for Christmas and Black Friday and all the rest of it for weeks now already. What's wrong with that? Others will think, you know, it's all coming way too soon. I'm not ready yet for Christmas. And then there are those who think I could use a little Christmas right now. As a matter of fact, I could have used Christmas a few weeks ago already. And people have some of those same thoughts about Jesus' second coming. Some will be struck with fear. Whether it's fear of the unknown. See, this has never happened before. That the, that the earth would melt and the stars would fall from their orbits and God himself would return bodily to judge the world. That's never happened before and some people can be pretty scared because of that. Some people might be afraid of facing God's judgment. And our Lord tells us, not in Matthew here, but in the Gospel according to Luke, whole countries will be in despair, afraid of the roar of the sea and of the raging tides, and people will faint from fear. For the powers in space will be driven from their courses. Jesus promises us the fabric of the universe will fray and fall apart. Its orderly functioning will fail. And there'll be no possible way to get back to business as usual. It's going to be terrifying for those who have no hope beyond the status quo who built their future on the hope that every tomorrow will be just like today. And since I'm getting through today okay, every tomorrow will be manageable with all of the resources that I have. If there is no hope beyond the status quo, if they've built their, their ideas around this rather than on the promises of God, it's going to be terrifying. God who set the rules for the orderly running of the universe can suspend those rules temporarily or forever. I believe that each one of the miracles is a temporary suspension of the orderly chemical and physical expectations we should have of the universe. Well, one day, God will discard those guidelines altogether and take you to a place of glory unimaginable. 
Right now, we have to acknowledge that the sea does not engulf us. Lake Michigan doesn't come swarming over us, sweeping over us, because long ago, God set the limits and said to the sea, thus far and no farther, here shall thy proud waves halt. The stars and the planets keep to their orbital paths because God likes it that way. But one day, it's going to let it all loose. And the cynics and the skeptics will have to admit that the orderly running of the universe was not proof that there is no need for God, but rather is one of his most spectacular gifts. Now even some Christians may think of that day and tremble unsure whether they'll be able to stand before God at the last judgment. They need to be reminded that salvation is something they don't have to shop for. Because Jesus has already bought it for them. It doesn't matter a bit how many shopping days are left until Jesus returns. For there's nothing left for you to buy. Not that you could have afforded what you need anyway. And there are other ways we can compare getting ready for Jesus' first and second coming. Some people will be so lost in the trappings and the decorations of Christmas that the birthday boy Jesus will be hidden behind a wall of presents and parties a wall mortared with obligations and bombarded with expectations and with music so insistent that no one would even hear the baby cry. Many greet Christmas with anxiety, filled with worries about family and finance and whether everything will work out to make this a nice Christmas. Anybody grow up? Anybody here grow up with siblings? I did. Okay. Uh, I also grew up with a mother and a father. And uh, here's what would happen when we were growing up. We, uh, I was the oldest, and I have a sister and a brother. And every now and then, we didn't exactly agree on how everything should be apportioned, especially the rights to the television. And uh, that meant that there would be some uh, disagreement. And uh, now and then we also didn't snap to when we were told this is what we all need to be doing to get ready for the whole family coming over. My parents were part of those that fled to the suburbs and uh, bought an acre and a third out on the Milwaukee County line, just across the street from Waukesha County. And a whole family would always gather out there, 
every summer they would gather out there because we had this huge yard we could play softball in and throw the frisbee and such. And for some reason they'd also come every Christmas even though on that lot stood this tiny little house and we'd all jam in this tiny little house but every part of that house had to be ready and if we were not cooperating then my mother would say, Well, Merry Christmas! Trying to make us all feel guilty. And my youngest brother, who has no fear, would say, and a happy new year. <laughs> well, some people get so worked up about having the perfect Christmas. They want it to be just like in the movies. But you know what happens in the movies? If it doesn't work out the first time, they do another take. They go back and they try to get it right and it's only what they want to present that you finally see. The same thing happens to us today with social media. You don't hear about everything going on in people's lives. You hear about the dramatic things. And you hear about the best side that people want to show you. And the worst things that have happened when people are asking for your prayers. But we shouldn't imagine that every day is like every Instagram or Facebook post. People are filled with worries about everything, whether everything will work out to make it the perfect Christmas. And there are some who will greet Christmas with fear. Those who have recently been left alone and don't want to face Christmas alone. Or those who know every holiday provides an excuse for immoderate drinking. Or those who fear facing the unresolved conflicts or past hurts or family feuding which crashed their every recent get-together. But obviously the most appropriate reaction to Christmas is joy. By his grace, God gives us the precious, the person of faith. Oh, let me try that again. One day, these cataracts will be gone. This is not that day. By his grace, God gives the person of faith vision. How ironic is that? Vision beyond all the sweet baby pictures and the ironic singing of the Mormon tabernacle choir so that we might see not just a manger, but a cross and an empty tomb and a throne. Instead of seeing the ads and the decorations and the gauche displays as proof of how crass and commercial people can be, why don't we see them as a gift? regardless of what their intention or motive might be, let us see in each one of them a celebration of the God who keeps his promises, even for those who do not trust in him today. That Christ came and died for those folks who don't see him as the Savior of the world, 
and we hope by the grace of God will be reached one day with the message of faith. But in the meantime, that God sends down his blessings on the, on the evil and the good. Because he is the God who keeps his promises. Let the Christmas decorations remind you of the day the world changed, when the heavens broke open with angels' song of how God so loved the world. And if you let the myth of the perfect Christmas celebration dominate you this season, you turn Christmas into something you have to conform to. In other words, you take the day of pure gospel and turn it into constricting law. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let one item of Christmas preparation be a model for your Christian life. This is a ritual that we have not followed every year, but that we have followed most years, and I'm going to tell it very carefully because this Sunday, my wife is here. Most years, we have a Christmas tree. When we lived in the desert, when we lived in the Mojave Desert, it was a fake Christmas tree. Why? Because we bought another Christmas tree and the needles lasted almost a whole day. And so we decided, nope, none of that. We're going to get a, a fake Christmas tree. But since then, we've bought real Christmas trees nearly every year. And we go through a certain ritual at our house. Uh, we get the tree set up. And my wife tells me whether it's straight or not. Then I stand back and I see whether she's telling me the story or not. And when we're both satisfied, then it's time for the lights. And here's where the ritual comes in. We pull out the string of lights and we plug them in. And then my wife tells me which bulbs I have to replace. Because... I would just put those to the back. But, you know, she, does, she tells me which ones I need to replace. Because every year, every year, there are bulbs that are burned out. And then I have to try to take out these little bits of glass and then put another one in there. And if it still doesn't light, huh. now I don't have those where if one bulb is out, the whole string goes out. Ah, those are too dangerous. I would not survive that. But we do have those where one will go out and has to be... In other words, where I expect there to be light, there is darkness. Oh, if you're starting to see the point of this parable, I think that you, you're right with me on this. So, we examine the whole string and replace those bulbs throw out the duds, throw out the, the ones that are, are only bringing darkness to what should be a string of light so that the lights look exactly as I expected them to when I bought them and brought them into my home. Well, this year, why don't we take every one of our habits and, and subject them to the same inspection? This Advent, let us take every part of our lives and let it string out and see where there is darkness, where there should be light. And let's take those duds and toss them out and apply the light of the world. Let us let, us, let Jesus fill 
our every celebration of Christmas. It's nothing that we would even prefer.